The following audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church and is part of our series in 1 John. For previous messages or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. There's a difference between knowing someone and knowing about someone. Right? Knowing someone, knowing about someone. Like, I could know about you. I can Facebook stalk you. I could find out all that Google has to tell me about you. I could meet your friends and hear about you through your friends. I can, um, can kind of gather up every fact, every trivia, every historical about you. But that's not knowing you. That's, that's knowing about you, knowing you, truly knowing you. It's different. It doesn't happen via Google search. Uh, it doesn't happen from long distance. And as creepy as Facebook is, and as much information that I can get, that's not knowing. That's knowing about. And, and you, you know this. You know this in your life because knowing, truly knowing someone is knowing someone's hopes, their dreams, knowing their fears, knowing what motivates them, what drives them. It's deeper than the, the facts. Now, the information can help. I'm sure if you truly know someone, you probably know some facts about them. But it's deeper than that. It's to truly know them. We understand this on a human level. My guess is, is that in this room right now, you have several people in your life that you know facts about, that you know all about. But there are also uh, those in our lives that I would venture to say that, that you you have people in your life that you truly know. Maybe a friend, uh, maybe your spouse, uh, your child, your sibling, uh, coworker, friend, what, whatever. You truly know them. Okay, we understand that on a human level. Now, this morning, what I want to do is take it from a human level and let me ask you a question Can you truly know God? Can you truly? No, no, God. And before you answer too quickly, I'm not talking about knowing about him. I'm not talking about the facts and the history and all of that. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, right? But, but can you truly know God um, personally, intimately, him knowing you, you knowing him? Can you truly know him? And let me push you a little further on this. Can you be sure I mean, know that you know. Can you know with certainty that you know God? Is that, is that possible? Um, can you have assurance that the experience you had was a true experience with God? Can you know that you know? Um, I've heard it said, trying to live the Christian life while lacking assurance that you are truly a Christian is like driving a car with the brakes on. It's a good quote. Questions like, what happens to me? What can I truly know? The, the answer to this question, is it wait and see? Or can we know that we, we know? So I have a warning for you. As we get into this text, this, this has the um, potential to be a text that sticks with you for a long time. And the reason why is because it speaks to one of the most dominant, prominent questions of just being a human, and that is this, can I know God? The, our text is going to, 
to dive in. Can I know that I know? And before we dive back into John Church, would you pray with me? God, I thank you for this time. I thank you for the, the time that we just shared together as a church where we got to proclaim who you are and proclaim that our response is just we love you. What a beautiful moment. We thank you for that. And right now, I just pray that you open our hearts and our minds to your word, that you would speak and that we would hear. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, 1 John, let's, chapter 2, let's pick it up in verse 3. It says, and by this we know, or we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. So by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. So we're going to camp here for just a moment. We're going to drill down because everything that we're going to talk about kind of stems off of this verse. Uh, by this, we, have, we know that we have come to know him. That's a little bit confusing language, is it not? I mean, it's like we, we see that we have come to see. It's, it's confusing. So what's happening there? What's happening here? Um, so if you're new with us, I'm just going to apologize up front. I don't typically geek out and show my nerdy side. Um, this isn't, no, I want to warn you, apologize in advance for what is about to happen to you. Um, how many are English people here? Like grammar, English majors? More than I thought. Okay, that's not bad. So for, for if you're not sure, if I were to say we're going to diagram a sentence together, how many would get excited? All right. So for five of us, this is going to be awesome. But for the rest of you who are more normal, I, uh, I, I just... I'm not, uh, yeah, I, I'm in that camp. So for the rest of you, I just, I beg you, follow me. This is going to be important because it's going to help us understand what's happening here. So originally, I told you, I warned you, the, the New Testament was written in Greek. Um, and Greek is a lot like English in the sense that our verbs have tenses and so does Greek. So tenses as in past tense, I ran. Future tense, I will run, right? Some of you are like, no, make it stop. But it has tenses. Well, well Greek has the very same, the, the same thing. So in our verse right now, we have, and by this, we know that we have come to know. The two knows. I want to talk about them just for a moment because the two knows in this sentence are two different tenses. It's important to see this. So the first no is, is an easy one. It's, it's present tense. We know what that means. We are, it's like saying, I know, I am currently knowing, I know right now, I am assured, I am confident, I know, I am currently knowing, follow me? That's present tense. Well, our second no is a little different. Our second no is what's called a perfect tense. Hang on, hang on. A perfect tense is, is a past action that has ongoing, continual results. So something that has already happened, but has continual, ongoing um, results. And so let's, for a moment, pull those together then. So what it's saying is we know today, we are assured today, we are currently assured that we have already come to know him fully. Does that make sense? So we know today, we have assurance today that we have come to know him. All right, 
Thus concludes my geekiness. Now you can buckle back in. We're ready. Um, But the reason I bring this up is because John in this letter, uh, in this verse specifically, is writing this. He's talking to a group of Christians. He's talking to a church. And what he's saying is, here's how you can have confidence. Here's how you can know today. Here is how you can have assurance today that you have come to know God completely. Here is how you know today that you truly know. That makes sense? Here's how you know that you know that you know. So, so John says, and by this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. And so, so how will he says, by this, by this we know. So by what? How do we know? What's he talking about? By this. Um, John says, if we keep his commandments, if we keep his commandments, we will know that we know. So the question has to be, what is he talking about? What are these commands? What are these commandments? Uh, what, what is this? Because if that is the pathway to me being assured, I want to know. We should want to know. So what is that? Is, re- is he referring to the Ten Commandments here? Is he referring to all the commandments? You know, all of the mosaic. Is, he, is it all of it? Or is this some kind of vague reference to, you know, everything that God said? Do that. Is that what he's talking about? What is, if that's, if that's what he's talking about, that's a daunting statement, by the way, but um, what is he talking about here? Well, fortunately, we're not left to guess for very long. Uh, we're not left to, to guess because, um, get this, the word command or commands or commandment or commandments is used 14 times in this, in 1 John. 14 times. This is a small letter, so that's significant. 12 of those 14 times, 12 of them, John is referring to one thing when he says commands or commandment or commands. One thing. He's referring to one thing, and that is this. He's explicitly referring to Jesus' command for his followers to love one another. He's explicitly talking about the command that that church that you love one another. That's explicitly referenced that. The other two times, so I said 12 of the times, well, the other two times just so happen to be the ones that we just read in our text this morning. Um, and although it's not explicitly stated right here in our, in our verses, in verse 3 through 6, the context, though, does tell us. If you were to look just a few verses down, just look in verse 8. Uh, it says, at the same time, It is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the light or the true light is already shining. Listen to this. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light. And in him there is no cause for stumbling. So he says this new commandment, love your brother. Love your brother. Let's look in a few more. John the Gospel of John, same writer here in, in chapter 13. And you don't have to turn here. I'm going to put it up on the screen for us. It says, a new commandment I give you. John is telling us the words of Jesus here. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If, again, you have love for one another. 
a new commandment that you love one another. And get this, as you do this, the whole world is going to know that you're my followers if they see the way you love each other. The whole world is going to know that you're mine by the way you love one another. This is the commandment, and it is profoundly simple, but it would have profound impacts if we did this, if we lived this. Because too often, the church is not exactly known for that. Too often, people outside of the church look into the church and they say, eh, I don't really want to get involved in that because I see the way that I know I'm bashing on Facebook today, and I apologize for that, but I've seen the way you treat each other on Facebook. You know? We're not known for that too often, but Jesus says, no, I have a new commandment for you that you love one another, and the world will know that you are mine when you love one another. So back to our text in 1 John, it says, and by this, we know that we have come to know him. If we keep his commandments, by this, Christian, your love for one another is the resounding evidence that you know that you know. By this, Christian, if you love your brother and sister, you can have assurance today that you know that you know. Um, in other words, the Bible says, your love for one another is the evidence to the world that you are his, right? What we just read. Your love for one another is the evidence to the world that you are his. But here in 1 John, he says, your love for one another is the evidence to yourself that you are his. The evidence to yourself that both you and the world can draw assurance on the fact by your love for one another. So I want to hit the pause button. I would miss the mark as your pastor if I didn't stop and clarify something. Um, Our verse says, And by this we know that we have come to know him. It does not say, and by this we have come to know him. Okay? Um, Go ahead and put that up. This is a big distinction. And by this we know that we have come to know him, not by this we have come to know him. This is huge because your obedience to his commands Your obedience, your ability to love each other is not what gets you salvation. Your obedience, nothing you do, it's not what earns you salvation. In other words, your obedience does not make you a Christian. And your disobedience does not make you not a Christian. Your salvation was never something you earned. It was never something that you contributed to. And therefore, it's not contingent upon you to obey. If it were, none of us would be saved. If it were, Jesus would not have had to do what he did. If it were, there would be no need for grace. I mean, think about it. In just a few verses earlier, in, our, in, our, in 1 John, just a few verses earlier, in verse 8, it says, If we have no sin, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So spoiler alert, you're going to miss it. You're you're going to fail to obey. You will. But your God is rich in mercy. So our text, the reason I say this, is our text today is not telling us the way that we earn salvation. Our text today is telling us how we can walk in daily assurance of the salvation we have. It's a big difference. 
It's a big difference. Our text is not telling us how to become a Christian. Our text is telling us how we can walk in assurance that we are a Christian. There's a big, big difference there. Um, You are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. That God so loved you that he sent his son to die for you, to pay your debt, to give you life, to give you his perfection, so that, church, that when you stand before God, you stand before him perfect through Jesus Christ. Perfect through Jesus Christ. Not only that, you've been given the ability to have a real relationship with God. You've been indwelled by the Spirit of God, empowered, strengthened, and sealed forever. Sealed forever. Nothing can change that. Again, you don't have to turn here, but the same guy again. We're looking at John this morning in his gospel in verse 10. Listen to Jesus' words. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Verse 29, my father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hands. How is that for confidence? Your salvation is a gracious work of God. Period. A gracious work of God. And now in our text today, John is saying, church, Christian, you are invited to know that you know. Christian, you are invited into the full assurance of the work that Jesus has done. You are invited to know that you know, and there's one way that you can know that you know and walk in that assurance, and that is this, love one another. Love one another. There's a difference between having salvation and being assured in the salvation you have. We love one another. So John is revealing the way that we can have confidence and assurance that we can know that we know, and I want to continue this morning, and I promise you I'm going to bring this together, okay? So let's look again at our text. And by this, we know that we've come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. So let's stop there. I want to talk briefly about what's going on here. A few weeks ago, we talked about the situation that surrounded this letter when it was written. So the church was supposed to be this beautiful, united body under Jesus Christ. But unfortunately, what we, what we saw is that it was experiencing a major divide. Um, many people, a group of people in the church begin to persuade people that Jesus wasn't fully God and fully man. If you remember that, wasn't both fully God, fully man. And they claimed that they knew God without Jesus, that they didn't need Jesus, they could have God without Jesus, apart from Jesus. Um, And that's what they were claiming. And this group of people left the church. They broke off in, in church. This isn't the same as it is today. Like, This wasn't like, I'm mad at Stone Oak Bible, so I'm going to go and I'm going to find another church across the street and we're going to... No. This was breaking off of the church. The church. This was forming another 
sect, another religion with a different gospel. This was heartbreaking. And this, this hurt so many in the church. This was, a, this was a painful time. And John was writing to this church in that time. He was writing to that church in that time and he's saying, hey, I know that those people who left you hurt you. And I know that they claim to know God without Jesus. I know that they claim to have this thing with God without, while ignoring everything he said. I know that, but listen to me. They're liars. They're deceiving you. They're deceiving themselves and they don't know. But church, you do. You do. You can have assurance in that. In you, the love of God is perfected. So John's encouragement to this church was continue on with what you, are, what you know, and that is love one another. Continue on in your love for God and your love for each other, and you will know that you belong to God. And for us, the encouragement is similar in that we are to continue on in what we know. Continue loving God and loving others, and by this we walk in the assurance that we belong to him. Let's finish out our text. By this we know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And so, again, John restates it. He says, by this, by the way we love one another, by the way we follow the command of Jesus, by this we know that we know that we know him. Um, I want to kind of double down on something this morning that I think is, is important. Um, there are two things in this text that I want every one of us to walk out of here with. So if your mind has been kind of wondering, I know it happens. Bring it back because I want us all to walk out with these two things. These two things. And if we do, uh, I'm just going to give them both away. We're going to walk through them here in a little bit. Number one, we can know God. And number two, we can know that we know God. Let me walk through this. First, we can know him. Everyone in this room, everyone who hears my voice, listen, you can know God. You can know him. Not just know about him, you can know him. Jesus died to make that possible. And before we rush past that, that fact, it sounds so simple, but how incredible is that? That the God, the creator of all things, the holy one, the powerful one, the perfect one, he did not have to make himself known to you. He did not have to tell us about him. He did not have to open himself up at all to you. He didn't have to. You know him only because he chose to tell you about himself. You know him only because he revealed himself to you. He did not have to do that. He did not have to send Jesus into this world. He didn't have to give you this. I mean, holding your Bible, that, that is the very word of God written to you. He did not have to reveal himself. He did not have to make himself known Church, he did, so that you can know him. He told you about who he is. He told you about his plan for you through his word. He, 
He shows you his beauty through all the things that you enjoy in this life and all of creation. My wife and I just got back from a, an amazing camping trip where we were literally in a field right by Enchanted Rock of like blue bonnets and like picturesque. That is the beauty of God's craftsmanship. He didn't have to show us that. He did not have to show us that. He didn't have to show us himself in the flesh through Jesus Christ. He did not have to do that. But church, our God is knowable. He speaks, he listens, our God cares, and we are invited to know him this morning. We are invited to to know him. And if you're here and you don't know him, if you're here and you know facts about him, but that's where it ends. If you're here and you could maybe get some trivia right, you know some history, but you don't know him. Listen, um, he didn't only reveal himself to you so that you can win Bible trivia. He revealed himself to you so that you can know him and so that you can know that you know him. So do you know him? Not only that, church, we're going to come back to that, but the second thing here is is we can know that we know God. We can know with assurance that we know God. For those of us in Christ this morning, um, we can know with assurance that we are his. With assurance that we are his. This should make you smile, church, that we are his. Um, Obedience is not an avenue for salvation. It's an evidence thereof. Let me give you two examples that I hope will bring this, this home. One is a little ridiculous, so you'll have to forgive me. I want you to imagine something with me. I want you to picture there's a tree outside, okay? Just a, just a tree right outside. Um, and I want you to imagine that we have an apple. We walked outside to that tree, and we took that apple, and we walked over, and we just shoved it up into the branches. We shoved it up there to where it stuck. Maybe we had like a stapler and we, we stapled that thing up and we step back and we look at our tree. Is that an apple tree? I mean, it has branches with apples. Isn't that the definition of an apple tree? Of course not. Of course not. Um, shoving an apple into a tree does not make it an apple tree. In the same way, shoving obedience into your life does not make us a Christian. However, rewind, let's imagine this. We were to go outside and we were to see the tree with an apple, with no staples, no tape, not just shoved up, but hanging off of that tree. As we step back and we look at that tree, is that an apple tree? Absolutely. How can you know? Because apple trees produce apples. They grow apples. So when you look at that branch and you see the apple, you know that's an apple tree. The same is true for a Christian. The same is true for a Christian. If you were to look over at one of your proverbial branches and you notice this little fruit dangling off with no staples, no tape, just this, this fruit hanging off, dangling off of your branch, you can know with complete insur- assurance that you are his, that you are an apple tree. 
if you can look over and see what the Spirit of God has done in you, producing fruit, if you can look over and see fruit, church, you're an apple tree. You're an apple tree. Um, And you should be assured of this. The way to salvation is Christ alone, but assurance of that salvation is found when we look over and we see that fruit. I want to give you one more example. This one's a real-life example. Um, I I have a great friend, longtime friend, uh, growing up. Uh, he, He was born into a great home, Christian home. I had parents that loved him, taught him about Jesus. He, was, he came to faith at a really young age, and uh, things were awesome. He's a great guy, great guy. Was something interesting happened to him when he got into late high school, early college. For the first time in his life, he began to struggle with something, doubt, like heavy doubt. I mean, just it, it hit him. He would go through... He would go through times where he felt like he would lose his salvation, I mean, it would just hit him hard. Um, he would go through then good days and good weeks, and he'd think he would be okay. He would go through weeks and months of sometimes this spiritual drought in his life. This time where, where there, was, there was always this, like, he just couldn't get his act together. He didn't feel it. He felt so disconnected from God. He felt guilt because of certain things and sins in his life, and In these moments and in these months, he would question whether or not he was a Christian. And I remember through this time, so often he would come to me and tell me that he rededicated his life, that he became a Christian, and and then next month he became a Christian, and then next month, and it was this constant ongoing battle in his life. And, And you don't have to raise your hand this morning, but have you been there? Have you been there? Um, Have you ever caught yourself feeling as though your salvation in Christ is tied to the way you feel about your salvation in Christ? That's where he was. Um, For my friend, for anyone in here who has ever felt like this, for anyone who may be feeling like that right now, Although his assurance was up and down, although the way he felt about himself changed, although it was up, down, up, down, up, down, let me assure you, church, that his salvation was never up, down, up, down, up, down, ever. Because our salvation is not tied to our assurance thereof. Our salvation, hear me, is not tied to the way we feel about it. Our salvation is not tied to the fact that we think we're killing it right now. Oh, I'm doing good. It's not tied to the way that we feel about it. And for those of you who are in Christ, Christian, you are secure in Christ even when you don't feel like it. And John is looking at this church in this letter, and he's inviting them to walk in the assurance that they already have, or the salvation that they already have. In church, in the the same way, for those of you who are in Christ this morning, you are invited into the assurance of the salvation that you already have. And so I want to dive in and and just for the moments we have left, get kind of practical with this. Um, Look around. None of you did it. Look around. (laughs) 
The pathway towards your confidence is found in loving the people that you just looked at. John lovingly reminds us that we can live in assurance by the way that we love each other. So I want to dig into this because what does that mean? This can't be like this froofy fields of butterflies love, like fairy tale love. It can't be that because that's not real. That's not reality, right? That, that's not my reality. So what does it mean? What does it mean? It means considering others before yourself. It means thinking of others' needs before you think of your own. It means inconveniencing yourself so that you can help someone else. It, it means that we stop slandering each other and that we start seeing the best or assuming the best in each other, that we love one another. Um, a good way to sum it up, I wish we had time to really dive in, but Galatians 5 tells us about this fruit of the Spirit. All of that fruit, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, all of that fruit is meant to be lived together. And so if we do those things, if we love one another in that way, we look over and we see fruit we see fruit that that is our assurance being evident in the fruit that we see. Here's the reality. The more and more that we focus inward, the more and more that we try to fix ourselves by drilling in and looking in, the more self-centered and self-focused that we become. Let me put it this way. The more and more we look for assurance in ourselves, the less of it we find. But the more you turn your affection toward God and toward others, the more you look out, the more and more you grow in your faith, the more and more you mature in your assurance that you are his. The path toward growth in the faith, the path toward growing in your confidence and your, your assurance is found when you look outside of yourself. This turns everything on its head because if you're here and, you've str and you're struggling right now, if you're here and if you're honest, you are in a place of doubt, going home and drilling down and trying to find that inner peace inside of yourself and trying to find it all in yourself you're not going to find what you're looking for. You are not going to find what you're looking for because the key in the moments of doubt is to turn and to focus outward, to focus on God and to focus on those around us. And in doing so, your faith will grow. Your assurance of the relationship that you have with God is, is going to grow. Um, in doing so, let me put it like this, you're going to know that you know. You're going to be able to know that you know. The key to assurance in the salvation you already have is found when you look out and you love those that are around you. When we do this, we proclaim to the world that we are his. Remember? By this, they're going to know. So when we do this, we proclaim to the world we are his. And when we do this, we proclaim to ourselves we are his. When we do this, we proclaim to the world, we proclaim to ourselves that we are his. And so the question is, the two questions are simple. It's church, do you know him? 
And the second question is, do you have that assurance this morning? I want to pray with us. God, um, we thank you for your word. We thank you. We just stop. We don't thank you enough for the simple fact that you told us about yourself that you told us who you are, that you told us of your heart for us, that you told us who we are in you. God, we take it for granted so often that we are entitled to know, but God, you didn't have to tell us, but you did. You told us who you were. You told us who you are. You told us who we were and who we are in you. God, and so we're grateful that you are a God that we can know truly know, more than know about, but that you're a God who we can truly know. So if there's someone in this room right now who does not truly know you, I pray that you show them right now in their heart that they can know, that they know that they are yours. And that it's nothing that we have done to earn it, but it is something that you did to earn it for us. And God, I pray for every person in this room right now who is battling with doubt, for those in this room who aren't quite sure if they are yours or not, they're not quite sure if you like them right now, they're not quite sure if they're on your good side right now, they're not quite sure that they're doing enough right now, God, I pray that you take all of those feelings and you crush them. Because the work of Jesus was enough. And now we are enough through his work and we can know you and we can know that we know. And so, Father, I pray that right now you, you equip us with your spirit to be able to walk in love with each other. That we would be a church, not just Stone Oak Bible Church, but that we would be the church, your people, who would be marked, who would proclaim to the world that we are children of God because of the way that we love each other. God, help us to be really good at that through your power and for your glory. And it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.